The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I am Capital Weekly Editor Rich Eisen, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Tim Foster. How are you doing today, Tim? I am well. Great. Well, um, we're probably both well compared to a lot of folks. Uh, It has been quite the week in California and beyond. Uh, If, you know, there are slow news days and slow news weeks, um, this has not been one of those. This has been a week full, chock full of news. So rather than having a guest today, uh, we're going to talk about some of the crazy stuff that's been going on. And of course, the legislature is heading into uh, it's spring recess to it's Easter recess. So we're going to go into a little bit of, I guess, a topic recess. Maybe maybe that's what we'll call that. Just to just talk about some of the stuff that has been going on this week. So, uh, you know, I don't know, Tim, Did was there some big national story this week? There was a big national story, although I have to be honest with you. It was not as big a national story as I sort of expected. I mean, I was in a meeting. I came out and I saw a text from my wife saying, hey, did you see the news? And I looked on Twitter, I looked around and it wasn't immediately apparent. And I would have thought, you know, this would be the the, the 9-11 of political news that the president of the United States, or let me, let me amend that, the former president of the United States had been indicted uh, for a crime, which could have happened to Richard Nixon, but he cut a deal and got out of office and was not indicted. Uh, but it it apparently is going to happen to uh, former President Trump. And I believe he is scheduled to turn himself in on Tuesday. Anyway, big news, uh, but maybe not. I kind of expected more. I expected, you know, 24 hour breaking news sirens, which, you know, so far we haven't seen. Well, you know, I and and I would agree with that. I absolutely would have thought it would have been uh, a much more talked about thing. I mean, certainly, I think honestly, though, all of us, uh, myself included, you know, we're also burned out in social media, and you know, just the the back and forth in the culture wars, and you know, it, we probably all knew this was coming. It's been telegraphed for a long time, and I think most of us have trained ourselves in recent years to leave these things where they belong, so to speak. You know, we 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 digest the news and then maybe, you know, we try to leave it there and not drag it through the rest of our lives as big as these stories are and as dedicated a news junkie as I am. I think I do understand to some extent why, of course, the cable people, you know, lose their minds. That's their jobs to, to lose their minds about big stories. I think for a lot of us and for maybe... Uh, even some of the non-cable mainstream news sources, it's a story, it's important, but um, maybe the fervor isn't quite as there right now. And, and who knows, if, if if this had come maybe after Trump, had, after the primaries had started and he had maybe he won a primary or what have you, then maybe it would be incredibly big news. But I think we all have seen this coming. And, you know, it's like anything else, when you see it telegraphed, it, it, the, the shock value isn't quite there. That's, that's how I interpreted this one. Well, and I would also say that if we went backwards, I feel like this would have been a very, very different news experience had this happened 
before Facebook sort of rejiggered its algorithm after uh, the 2016 election, which they really stepped away from breaking news. And at that point, a huge chunk of my Facebook feed was political. It was, you know, either pro-Hillary, anti-Hillary, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, et cetera. And they got in a lot of trouble with that. They made an intentional decision to redirect away from news, specifically politi- uh, political news, really. And I could see it in, you know, the Capital Weekly's Facebook page, which used to have a tremendous amount of traffic. And we our stories would be shared very often by people. And really, you could see as they messed with the algorithm that the engagement changed a lot. And I feel like if this news had broken and the Facebook algorithm was the same as it had been in 2016, we would be seeing something very different. Also, I really wonder, it seems like Twitter engagement has changed a lot in the time that Elon Musk has owned Twitter and has uh, played around with their algorithm and with, you know, sort of driven some of the users, a lot of the advertisers have left. And that is a very different space now than it was, say, a year ago. And I wonder if this had happened in a pre- Elon Musk Twitter, how it would have been. Maybe, maybe not at all different. I I really don't know. But it's it's interesting to think that we're living in a time when social media, which fairly recently seemed like a brand new thing, now has gone through eras. And we're in in an era where a Trump indictment does not totally light up social media. I mean, I barely on Instagram, I barely even saw an acknowledgement of it. So uh, it's, it's weird. I'm sure all of our listeners are having their own experience with this. But uh, it is a weird thing to live through, and I just kind of expected more. I'm, I can't say I'm disappointed, but I really kind of expected this to be a more dramatic story. Yeah, definitely. I'm not disappointed either, because I, I think there really could be some element of Trump fatigue here, too. You know, I mean, for the last seven years in specific, you know, for those of us who are older, we know it's really been uh, eight since the 80s, you know, we haven't really been able to escape Trump in the in headlines, but but I think there's a lot of Trump fatigue across um, all platforms. And, and look, if you're a Trump supporter, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just saying that the onslaught of of Trump related news, you know, maybe that there's a little bit of fatigue there. And look, look, let, let us not discount the fact there was a big celebrity trial that came to a head this week too, even if it was. Uh, a fairly minor one in comparison to some we've seen. I mean, the you know, I think there were 30 million people that were watching the Gwyneth Paltrow skiing accident trial. I mean, honest to God, I think this week, if you ask most people, they 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 might have been more engaged in that than they were in again what I think a lot of us saw as the inevitable thing with with the Trump indictment. So well, and here, so this just gives me a chance to now insert hashtag Glyneth Paltrow ski accident trial into our algorithm. And maybe that will drive our traffic for the, because we certainly don't get 30 million listeners uh, per, well, if you added every podcast we've ever done, it still would not be a fraction of 30 million listeners. So it is, you know, you're right. It's it, people were interested in different things and, and Trump himself having come out of the celebrity, you know, having been a TV star and, a celebrity of of especially New York news media was in a different space than your regular, let's say Joe Biden, who was known to political junkies, but I'm sure before he was vice president, 
I would not be surprised if the average American had ever heard of Joe Biden. So uh, Trump is in his his whole different space. And you're right. We've heard about him ad nauseum since 2015, since he came down the golden elevator. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll hear more from him next week and et cetera. But it's it's been an interesting week. Well, there was other California news this week, too, that was pretty significant. No shortage of that. No shortage of that this week, uh, you know, and specifically for Governor Newsom, because he had a big week. Uh, He got uh, pretty fast legislative approval of uh, his, uh, the legislation that he was backing. As we all know, he's been uh, verbally jousting with uh, the oil industry over high gas prices. And uh, lawmakers this week approved and he signed a bill uh, that could potentially uh, allow for some capping of prices on big oil here in California. Um, I think his critics would also point out, uh, you know, the bill that they eventually signed was quite a bit less severe than the one he originally proposed six months ago, but it's still a big win. Uh, I I was in the rotunda the day that the uh, votes were being taken, and it was kind of funny. I was there for a different reason, and uh, he walked. From, he was walking from the Senate chambers over to the Assembly chambers, and the rotunda was just stuffed with lawyers, or, excuse me, lobbyists, most of whom I presume were there representing some form of energy company, and they were all glued to the big screens out in the in the rotunda. And nobody, except I think uh, me and our intern, Claire McCarville, even noticed that the governor was walking through the rotunda area over to the assembly. You know, we gave each other the bro nod and he just kept walking there. You know, he was clearly going somewhere. So there was no point for me to try to talk to him at that point. So it was uh, it was entertaining, though. And hey, big news. He got the thing that he has really wanted, even if it is in a slightly reduced uh, state of severity or, or impact in, than what he originally asked for, it's still a pretty pretty big win for him. Yeah, and this plays into his push to get California away from fossil fuels. Uh, and you know, he made a pronouncement that we are going to get away from selling brand new cars and light trucks in 2035 if they are gas powered. Yet they will have to be either they'll have to be either electric vehicle or they'll have to be zero emission vehicles. Uh, whatever that might mean at the time. And that, you know, this is all part of, I think, sort of pushing back on the fossil fuel companies messaging is something that he's, he's not shy about doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, this, honestly, if you look at everything, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a big difference between we're going to impose a, you know, a, a, a specific penalty on profits for these companies, that's very different than the, okay, we're going to have a process where they've got to report data. There's going to be a division in the California Energy Commission that will look at alleged price gouging based on that data. And then, you know, the possibilities that there might be financial penalties. I mean, that those are very, very different things. I mean, they this, you know, what he got is very different than what he said he wanted six months ago. But in the political realm, it's a big win because he now can go out on the road and he can talk and say, I 
you know, I took on big oil and won, which he was very clearly doing right afterward. You know, he was, I think the quote he he told everybody afterward was he called their oil company profits one of the greatest ripoffs in modern American history. And now, now, you know, from a political perspective, he can go out and say, you know, he took them on and won. So, you know, uh, perception often is reality, and, and especially in politics. And he, this was undoubtedly a big political win for him. And it really segued him right into his next thing, which we all saw yesterday, the launch of his national campaign, uh, you know, to counter the GOP agenda, right? He's going to take on the uh, uh, authoritarian rule, as he called it, uh, in states across America, you know, the red states specifically. So he took about $10 million of his campaign funds and he put it into a new pack that he dubbed campaign for democracy. And the whole idea, he said, is to boost his fellow Democrats uh, and races around uh, the country and to push back on uh, what he sees as authoritarian Republican leaders. So, you know, one more step for a guy who swears he's not running for president, that looks awfully like a guy running for president. Yeah. And I know I'm the only person in California, perhaps in the United States, that actually thinks that Joe Biden is going to run for second term. And, I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but for my money, he looks he acts, looks and acts like a guy that is planning on running for second term. So we shall see. But uh, certainly Governor Newsom, for all of his proclamations that he does not want to do this, uh, is also making all the moves like someone who plans on running for president someday. So, you know, uh, but it, I have to wonder, given the news with former President Trump and also the news in California, if Governor Newsom is a little disappointed that his announcements, his big win on big oil and his announcement that he's going to be taking on these red state governors uh, got stepped on a little bit. Well, yeah, you, you, I mean, for a guy who's never met a camera you didn't like, I mean, I, I imagine that he is a little bit disappointed. But, you know, uh, Newsom's savvy, too. I mean, he's not going to let, you know, that kind of a thing slow him down. I mean, this these are the first steps, I think, in an ongoing uh, effort for him. So that, you know, and, and, and look, he also got another big win. Uh, when um, the Biden administration uh, granted a waiver to California so it could set its own emission standards for semi-trucks. And, you know, one more step toward, you know, some of those really uh, hard to achieve, you know, really, really significant emissions reductions that we have uh, mandated coming up on us in, you know, about a decade. You know, that was really another big win for him to get this waiver. You know, and speaking of, this is a good time for me to announce, we, we've not made this public, I don't think, until now. Our next Capital Weekly Conference will be held on Thursday, May 25th. It is going to be called Roadmap, and it's going to be looking at exactly how we get there. Uh, the Newsom administration and the legislature have made very, very ambitious plans to get California off of fossil fuels by 2035, largely, you know, to stop selling new gasoline-powered vehicles in California by 2035. And now this move by the Biden administration aids that with, with larger trucks. I just saw this week that the European Union is also uh, planning to curtail the uh, sale of pasture cars and light trucks in Europe 
in 2035. So it's something is aligning here. And, and 2035 is 12 years away, which is the blink of an eye. You know, I mean, uh, you look at how much we've done in the history of rail in the last 12 years. Well, we have to we have to do a lot. And Capital Weekly is going to present a day, a day-long event here in Sacramento. We'll also make this available on May 25th. Sacramento will be the place to be. Absolutely. And, you know, this is one of the things we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, because this waiver is really a big deal because uh, there's at least six states that are going have already committed to following suit, adopting essentially our policy. So uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, New York, New Jersey, uh, I can't remember, there's one more, two, I want to say, uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, Washington and Oregon, those are the last two. Uh, they're going to be doing it. I mean, that's uh, about a quarter of the nation's auto market. Uh, you know, most observers believe it's this, uh, uh, the measure, which we passed here in 2020, it's called the Advanced Clean Trucks Rule, uh, but, you know, needed the EPA waiver. You know, that that's, uh, you know, about a quarter of, like I say, about a quarter of the nation's auto market, and it's probably going to really transform uh, the nation's truck market. So uh, this will definitely be something we're talking about at the conference, and I'm sure one of those things that, that Newsom will definitely uh, uh, has him feeling good today. And that's a good time to transition to people who are probably not feeling good today because California had no shortage of people who had a crappy political week. The worst week. Worst week. Worst week. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I think I, I think you and I are in agreement on who had the worst week. So let's save that for just a moment because there 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 are a couple of contenders here that in a in a less emphatic week, you know, we might have we might have actually even uh, handed the crown to, uh, including the one I I really liked. There was a a woman, uh, and I think I think you noticed she was originally identified as the executive director of the San Jose Police Officers Association, and I think that's not correct, right? She's actually not the executive director, but still she's been charged with uh, trying to illegally import a whole bunch of fentanyl with intent to distribute. And uh, man, you know, the cops in, in, in this state and around the country are, you know, constantly battling uh, public perception on them in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's, uh, this is not the kind of thing that helps when uh, theoretically one of your own is is trying to start a fentanyl importation ring. Oh, I don't, I don't think there was any trying about it. I think she had successfully brought in a lot of fentanyl. I, yeah, I, I yeah, I think the numbers, six, but, over wow. six shipments. Yeah, she she was on it. That's for sure. So that that would you know she's going to have a bad week. I think the San Jose Police Officers Association. That's a bad week. You're gonna you're gonna. It takes a lot to overcome that kind of a look in the public eye. Yeah, and uh, there was also uh, Mark Ridley Thomas, former legislator, uh, city council member in L.A who was uh, convicted this week uh, on corruption charges. And he ends, well, assuming, assuming this ends his career, we'll see. Uh, but it's, it's a pretty sad end to a career that many, many people have pointed to as, as a really effective public service career. Oh, you know, he, he did a lot of things for a lot of people. And unfortunately, apparently was side railed by doing a lot of things for himself. 
Yeah, you know, in a way it is sad because, and, and you, you saw that reflected in the reaction from people like Karen Bass uh, and, and a few other really prominent people around the LA area. You know, it doesn't change the fact that he did what he did. I mean, you know, the, he was he was facing a lot of charges. He was found guilty on many of them. He was found not guilty on uh, many of them as well. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy, I think, who in many ways was a giant in the LA region for in, in the certainly in uh, the black community and in the poor uh, economic communities. I think this was a, a guy seen as a champion. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, it is unfortunate, but yes. It, it, so in that way, I think it makes it a bad week for him. And it also makes it a bad week for a lot of the people who have looked up to him in that way. Yeah. I, I think it's very clear that he was, you know, he was very effective at what he did. And unfortunately, he fell prey to, you know, temptation. And I've read, there's a pretty good column by uh, Eric Smith, who's a LA Times columnist. She's up, was up here in Sacramento for a long time. Uh, and she said, hey, this, you know, I know he was convicted on corruption charges, but it it doesn't feel fair for a lot, a lot of Angelinos. They don't really look at this. They don't look at the bad that he's done. They see all the good that he's done. You know, it rings hollow that we've, you know, justice has been served because they said, well, you know, on the other hand, he did so much for for communities of color and, you know, impoverished communities, et cetera. And, you know, it, compared to the good he did, the things that he were, was bad about, with him. <laughs> well, and, and the things and, that he did that were were bad were not as bad as the good that he did, I guess, would maybe was way to characterize that. Well, and not as bad as a lot of the other corruption we've seen coming out of the L.A. city government. I mean, I think that that's really Erica's point. I mean, when, you know, so much of, you know, the the terrible corruption, you know, Jose uh, uh, Wizar, uh, Mitchell Englander, people that she calls out by uh, name in her column, you know, she's saying they took they took a lot of bribes. They did a lot of the things that, you know, uh, I mean, they, they were found guilty for, they did them for very personal, selfish reasons. You know, the things that Mark Ridley Thomas uh, was found guilty on, you know, he was essentially uh, working benefits for his son at USC. And, you know, his son, of course, had also had been a lawmaker who had to resign over some health reasons. And yes, he had also had been accused of sexual harassment. So think about all that as you will. But I think that was Erica's point, too, is, you know, even when he did do things that were outside the lines, he was doing them, you know, to, to benefit uh, his son and not himself. I don't you know, again, we all have our own moral count, uh, you know, calculus here. You can decide whatever. The, the bottom line is the man was found guilty. He's going to get permanently kicked off the council. He's probably going to go to jail. It would be uh, I, I'm not sure if that's a given at this point i know that um we're not the sentencing but um bad week for him bad week for those who looked up for him and man yet another big giant black eye shiner for the la city council which just an, an la government it just never seems to end for with uh with the stuff that is happening there but i think we both agree that the winner of the worst week uh this week is a little further south and unquestionably uh, a former legislator, former uh, congressional staffer, 
uh, former military person and current, and I believe he is still current, county supervisor in San Diego, Nathan Fletcher. Yeah, it, it, it really is a stunning fall from grace. As you noted, I mean, he'd been in the state assembly, uh, San Diego City Council, you know, decorated Marine um, who, you know, saw combat duty in Iraq, uh, congressional staffer, of course, many people, as many people now know, married to uh, now former Assemblywoman, Assemblywoman, uh, Lorena uh, Gonzalez, uh, who, of course, left the Assembly to take over uh, the California Federation of Labor, uh, one of the most powerful labor positions in the, certainly in the state and probably in the country. And man, it all had, you know, I saw it all on Twitter. And it just it it it's like it erupted. You went from hey, you know, him saying, "Look, I've got a I've got a problem with PTSD and alcohol, and so I'm going to step away from all this to take care of myself." And you know, there were a lot of folks, uh, you know, I could see reaching out saying, "Hey, good to see you putting your you know your health and your family first, and you know, go go get better, et cetera, et cetera. And then within hours, it turns into all of the other stuff, sexual harassment and, you know, uh, uh, illicit affairs and uh, maybe something bordering on assault. And, and you just go, oh, my God. And now now it's I'm 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 not only am I ending my campaign for the Senate, I'm resigning from the, uh, you know, from San Diego government. And, and, you know, who knows what may else come, uh, what else may come out of all this, but. Well, and going out of state for treatment, which is also a kind of a unique uh, wrinkle in all this. He's, he's still on the city council. He's not going to resign for a bit. And, you know, I don't know, but I'm assuming that probably has to do with keeping up his healthcare or something uh, for his treatment, but he's not resigning, or at least as, as we record this, he has still not resigned. He has said he intends to resign or he will resign although he will not be able to be representing his constituents because he's out of state in a treatment center. Yeah, I think he said he was going to resign when he got out of treatment. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I mean, if he sticks to that, which, you know, as we've seen, you know, if, if Kevin DeLeon in L.A. has taught us anything, is you know, that doesn't necessarily mean no matter how bad it looks. I mean, you know, he could have a complete change of heart when he gets out of, out of uh, treatment. Um, but, man... It just is a really stunning, shocking, sudden fall from grace for somebody who a, a few days ago looked like he was probably going to be a shoe-in to succeed Tony Atkins uh, in the Senate. And, you know, it would not at all be out of school to think he would have, you know, within a short amount of time, found himself in some form of leadership. I mean, this is a guy who who might have had designs on going much further than that. Uh, I mean, you know, young guy still, you know, only in his 40s. So, uh, boy, unless he can pull some kind of, uh, uh, you know, image rehabilitation out of the hat along with everything else, I, boy. Well, and you never know. I mean, to bring this all back to Governor Newsom, I mean, Governor Newsom was involved in some unseemly affairs early on in his career and same thing said hey i have alcohol problem and checked himself into a rehab and did rehabilitate his his personal uh brand and has done quite well since so maybe that would happen uh lorena gonzalez has expressed her support 
for him and said, hey, I love my husband and I'm glad he's getting help and I want him to get help. So, uh, you know, at least he has that going for him. It's an interesting, interesting career. So he was formerly married to Mindy Tucker, who was a Republican operative. She worked for George Bush and he was formerly on the staff of Duke Cunningham. Duke Cunningham, famously one of the most you know, corrupt figures you'll find in recent uh, congressional history, uh, went to prison, um, fell from very hard from grace. Uh, so he was very well positioned in Republican politics as a staffer, as was his wife. They both left the Republican Party. And then ultimately their relationship ended and he not only transitioned from being Republican to an independent, ultimately became a Democrat and is now married to one of the most, you know, the poster child for really left Democrats, uh, Lorena Gonzalez, who is very engaged in progressive politics. I think my memory is that she even endorsed Nina Turner the last time Nina Turner ran in Ohio. And Nina Turner is a very far left Democrat. And Lorena Gonzalez uh, offered her support there. So an interesting journey that Nathan Fletcher has made. Uh, and I don't think many people saw it ending this way. And it may not end. I mean, this this may just be another step in his journey. But yeah, well, yeah, time will tell. That's the one thing. Time will tell. So, but yeah, hard hard to argue against, uh, or, or, or I should say argue for anybody else in uh, California having had a worse week than Nathan Fletcher. It seemed like, uh, boy, from the penthouse to the outhouse, and <laughs> one broken elevator ride, man, that, that was a bad one. So I think he's the uh, winner slash loser. Yeah. Week. <laughs> and you know, and uh, completely self-inflicted, you know, as so many as so many of these are. So, so many of these are. I mean, honestly, for every time, I think for every time when someone is a victim of circumstance in this case, uh, there's a hundred where they pretty much they shot themselves in the foot here. So that's that seems to certainly be what we're seeing here. So hey, you know, look. I don't wish ill will on anybody. If 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 people can write themselves and get their world back in order, hey, power to them. Uh, but boy, he gave himself a steep hill to climb. Yeah, I would agree. Well, on that note, we can go and allow people to have a, a nice uh, recess week. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another episode of the Capital Weekly Podcast uh, talking about God knows what. <laughs> yes. Yes, we'll we'll find something topical and we will discuss the living heck out of it now, won't we, Tim? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Rich. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.